excited to, to be here tonight. And what are we talking about tonight? That's right, we're talking about money. I'm going to pray one more time and then we can jump into it together. Father, uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight on this topic. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me. You would communicate to students' hearts what you want communicated. Help us to learn and to grow in discipline with our money, with our finances, and to bring that part of our life along with every part of our life in submission to you and in submission to your word. Um, God, would you help me to communicate tonight? Would you prepare our hearts to receive from you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Jackie and I have three kids. Our youngest daughter, Hannah, when she was little, she was our one that loved to play with toys. Do we have anybody that loved to play with toys? You guys had the, the Barbie dolls and the G.I. Joes and the Transformers. Uh, so for our, our youngest, it was My Little Pony. Do we have any My Little Ponies? Yeah, for sure. So, so she loved My Little Ponies, and she would, play, she would play My Little Ponies, and she would have us play My Little Ponies with her, and we got to learn to do the voices, and you could ask Jackie later to do Applejack uh, and some other impersonations of My Little Ponies. My Little Ponies, though, when she's getting into uh, middle elementary school age, and she's still really liking to play with toys, they did like a separate line of toys that was more like, like human-shaped girl dolls called the Equestria Girls, and they're My Little Ponies, but they're human-shaped, and it makes sense if you don't think about it. But they, these dolls were not very well made, right? And I say that they would break easily, particularly their legs would just pop right off. Like you looked at this doll funny, but like popped off and you couldn't get it back on there, right? And so as a parent, like it's stressful. Like what a waste of money, man. I spent 10, 12 dollars on this, on this doll and like it's not going to make it 10, 12 minutes before this leg pops off. I'm like, oops. Now Hannah's not worried about it at all. Hannah's, that's no problem. Oh, dad can fix it or dad can just buy a new one. Like either way, I'm good, right? She's the baby of the family. Like when my needs are met, either dad's going to fix it or he's going to be making me a new one, but I don't have to necessarily take good care of it because it's not my problem, right? So we come out, dad, dad, you know, uh, Twilight Sparkle's leg popped off. Well, uh, can you just buy me a new one? No. No, we can't, can't always get a new one when something breaks, right? This is a, something we need to learn. We need to take good care of the stuff that we got, right? We've got to take good care of the stuff that's been entrusted to us. Some of you guys had the experience of you needed money for school, needed money for an assignment or a trip, said, hey, mom, I need $10. I need $20 for this thing for school. Your mom's like, okay, I got you. Uh, gives you the $20, but sure enough, Somewhere along the way, the money got spent in a different way, right? The money got spent maybe on some candy, right? Some M&M's, some Pop Rocks, on the game, on something else. And so sure enough, you do not have the money for the thing that you needed the money for. And you go back to mom. Mom, see what happened was, right? And I'm going to need that money again. What's mom going to say? No. No, she's going to say, what did you do with the $20 I gave you? Right? You are not a good steward of the money that I gave you. Why am I just going to give you more when you didn't take care of what I gave you the first time? Right? She wants you to learn a lesson. She wants to learn responsibility. And we need to be a good steward. We need to take care of what we've been given. What we do with what we've been entrusted really matters. Right? So when we do this to mom, you know, she's not just going to give us more when our, the toys break. Dad's not just going to necessarily buy you a brand new one uh, every single time. But we do the exact same thing to God. Right? We do the exact same thing to the Lord uh, when He blesses us, when He provides for us financially, and we are foolish with it, we are wasteful with it, and then it's all God, gone and we say, hey God, it's me again. I need some more, right? Hey, what would you do with what I blessed you with? What would I do with, with what I've entrusted you with? God, God wants to bless us. He wants to meet our needs. He's a good father who knows how to take good care of our child, His children, but that doesn't mean... We don't need to be responsible with what he's given us. Amen? It doesn't mean we, need, we don't need to be good stewards of the money he's entrusted to us and wise about it. So that's what we're, we're talking about tonight. We're learning about tonight. You know, God, God, God blesses us. He does, he does take care of us. But we need to take care of what he's entrusted to us. And what we do with what's been entrusted to us really matters. So tonight we're talking about money. Say money. money. And we're looking at principles from the scriptures that are going to help us to manage our finances wisely. Anybody that needs to manage their finances more wisely? Yeah, all of us, right? Probably all of us. Um, so we're talking about finances. Before we get into it, though, I have a couple disclaimers, right? Right at the top, I got a couple disclaimers. We're going to get those out of the way, and then we're going to jump into the Word, okay? The first disclaimer is this. We are not talking about finances tonight because we want your money. 
right? We don't want your money. Matt doesn't want your money. Calpha doesn't want your money. We're not even taking up an offering tonight, right? Calpha, we take up an offering usually once a month to help pay for the different uh, aspects of the ministry and do the things that we do and pay for pizza and theology, stuff like that. We're not taking up an offering tonight, right? I don't want your money. Calpha doesn't want your money. That's not why we're talking about this. And I know some of you guys have maybe been burned by that, right? Have had a bad past experience where you kind of felt like, oh, the church just wants my money, right? Or pastor just wants my money. He's just talking about tithing again, you know, for the fourth time this this, this, this six months because he, he wants my money. Well, that, that's, that's not what it is, right? Yeah, I, I don't want your money. I want to make sure that you are using your money wisely, though, in a way that honors God. We're not taking up an offering tonight. Uh, also, we're talking about money, but this is not a prosperity gospel teaching. What do I mean by that? I mean, there, there's, a, there's a common uh, thread in modern Western American theology that's been referred to as the prosperity gospel. Basically, man, if you live for Jesus, uh, you're going to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. You're going to have everything you need financially. You're never going to have another bill to pay. You're going to drive a fancy car, live in the biggest house on the block, right? And that, hey, if you, if, you, if you give to my church, uh, you're going to be blessed like crazy. If you follow God, you're going to be blessed like crazy. The uh, problem is that's just not true. That's just not true. Yes, God will take care of you. Yes, God will meet your need. But God never promises that we're going to be rich in this life, right? He doesn't promise that. Uh, he doesn't promise that, that wealth is an indication of our godliness. Man, we can be a godly, righteous person and not be wealthy, right? Was Jesus wealthy by, by, by the world's standards, right? Jesus, who had no, no permanent address, no place to lay his head, right? Just a traveling, we would call him an unhoused person, right? A traveling unhoused person who depended on the kindness of strangers, ladies taking care of him, bringing him in, giving him a meal. Uh, he was not wealthy by any kinds of standards, right? And Jesus calls us to live uh, like he did. Um, there, there's plenty of people that, that when we see in the Bible, they're not an example of living in wealth and luxury. And, and if God has blessed you like that, man, that's not, that's not bad. And don't be ashamed of your blessings, but, but you are going to need to be accountable for how you use it and use it in a way uh, that honors the Lord and his kingdom. Uh, but at the same time, man, I don't want us ever to get it twisted that we think, well, if I follow the Lord, I'm going to be rich, right? Because that's not it, right? That's not it. That's not what we're talking about. Um, the Bible does teach that God's going to provide for us. Um, but in this life, man, there's going to be times where finances are tight. Uh, in this life, there are going to be times where things are hard. Jesus promises, in fact, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble, but take heart and have peace in your heart because I've overcome the world. I'm going to see you through it. I'm going to take care of you. Uh, but finances are not always going to be happy uh, and perfect just because you're following Jesus. Right. Even Christians have have tough finances days and weeks and months and years sometimes. But when this life is over, we get to spend an eternity in heaven with God. Um, and as stressful as finances can seem right now, uh, it's fleeting in the light of eternity and getting to be in God's presence forever. Amen. So, again, we're talking about this not, uh, you know, not, not, because, not because I want to, to, to kind of twist your view that, hey, I'm going to have everything I need financially just because I follow Jesus. Man, we can be wise about our money and there's blessings that come with that wisdom and obedience. And that's what we're going to get into uh, tonight. Also, we need to understand that relative to most of the world, we are incredibly fortunate and incredibly blessed, right? Here in the United States, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and we, are, we are wealthier than a huge portion of the world. 90% of the world does not have the wealth you enjoy. And you may not feel that right now as a college student trying to figure out how am I going to pay for this, how to pay for that. But compared to 90% of the world, man, you guys are incredibly blessed. If you've got clean water to drink, you're blessed. Right? You've got, you've got a place to sleep tonight, right? You've got a bed to sleep in tonight, and a place with a roof over it that's air conditioned and, and heat conditioned, right? It has everything that you need, temperature controlled. Right, man, you're blessed. You're blessed. You don't have to worry about where the next meal is coming from. Uh, man, man, I want you guys to understand that, hey, do we have everything we want? No, but we are still very, very blessed, and we should be thankful for that. And last disclaimer is this. Jackie and I are not rich. I hope you guys know that. Jackie and I are not obscenely wealthy. We have financial problems like anyone. Um, a lot of you guys have been to our house, right? Like we're, we're not crazy rich, but that doesn't mean that God's uh, word is not still true. And we would not be good pastors if we didn't teach you what God's word has to say about money and finances. That's why we're talking about this tonight, that even though wealth is not guaranteed, that doesn't mean there are not wise principles we can learn from the scripture that are going to be an immense help to our financial situation if we apply them. All right. So those disclaimers out of the way. What does God's word say about our finances and how we should handle our money? A lot, actually. A lot, actually. Your Bible is filled, filled with teachings about money, about finances. 
Um, absolutely chock full of verses. Man, man, I, I read somewhere, you know, over 2,000 verses just about money, just about your finances, right? That Jesus talked about money uh, as much as he talked about any other subject, as much as heaven, as much as he talked about hell. He talked about your wallet, your pocketbook, your finances, your money. These things matter to God because what we do with what the Lord entrusts to us really matters. How we spend our money, how we utilize the various financial resources we've been given. These things matter. And these things matter because they reveal a lot about our heart and about how submitted our lives are to the Lord. So Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, 21. This is going to be our foundational verse for tonight. Matthew 6, 21. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Right. Why does money matter? Why does finances matter? Why does God care about how we spend these things and how we use these things he's given us? Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Your heart it's tied to your treasure, right? Your finances. So, so I can tell you a lot about what you value in your heart, you know, emotionally, what you prioritize as a human being by what you spend money on, by what you leverage your resources on. I mean, that's something that means a lot to you, right? The same as I can tell uh, you and your best friend, right? Our best friends by how much time you, you spend together, right? If I look at your week calendar and you don't spend any time with your friend and don't ever talk to your friend, I'm going to question how close you are. Um, Jesus says in the same way, uh, our, our treasure, our finances are tied to our heart. And when I look at your finances, it reflects things about your heart. So if you spend your money foolishly, right, that's going to be a reflection of a foolish heart. And if, if my, my finances are not yielded to God and furthering God's kingdom, and that's going to reveal that maybe my heart is not fully yielded to God. That's why these things matter. God says, I know that I really have your heart and your life. You know, we surrender to Jesus. We say, Jesus, be my Lord. God says, I know I'm really your Lord if I also have your pocketbook, your bank account, your money. When that's submitted to God, then you're really following Jesus. You guys following me? So he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. God cares how we use our money. Your checking account is spiritual. You guys know that? Your checking account is spiritual. Uh, we, don't, we don't separate things. I've got all the holy spiritual stuff over here and all my secular stuff over here. No, you gave your whole life to Jesus, right? All of it, right? So that means your checking account is spiritual. Your checking account is holy to the Lord. It may not seem like it when you look at it, uh, but it is, right? And it belongs to God. And so it matters. It matters how we spend our money. So the Bible has a lot to say about money. And as Christians, it's important that we understand these things. We learn from them. We apply them to our lives. Jackie and I, I mean, we, we deal with students every single day, right? And I see students in some pretty desperate financial situations. Students are like, man, I can't come back next semester because of money. Or, man, man I, I don't know how I'm going to eat you know, this next month because money's tight. Or, or maybe, maybe money's okay for me, but my family, man, is in a real desperate financial situation. Uh, we, we need help. And, of course, in that situation, I want to encourage them. I will pray for them. Uh, and I want to pray that God will bless them. And, of course, my mind goes immediately to Bible verses, and there's tons of them, about God's financial blessing. But the issue is that almost every single one of those Bible verses about financial blessing are conditional. They're if-then kind of statements. If you do this, God will bless you. They're not just blanket, yeah, God's going to bless you and give you everything you need, and every bill's going to be paid, and you're going to have the nicest car, and the biggest house, and the coolest shoes, I don't know. Uh, they're they're if-then conditional statements, so there's a condition to be met. So I want to pray that blessing over you, and of course we're going to pray for finances tonight, because they may be tight for you, like tonight, like right now, like Wednesday, April 4th, April 5th, 4, 5, 23, like, it's like special time. We want to pray for that, but understand that. So many of those promises of God's provision are conditional on our obedience uh, in different areas. And we're going to look at that uh, a bit, uh, look at some of those conditions tonight. These are simple, again, practical things that you can start doing today to put yourself in a position where God can and will bless you financially. Okay, so I've got three big ones that we're going to look at. Uh, If we're taking notes, three big things that God uh, blesses when it comes to our finances. The first one is this, that God blesses responsibility. Responsibility. God wants us to be responsible, not irresponsible with our money. He doesn't want us to be foolish uh, with our money. He wants us to be responsible with it. When we look at the scripture, we see that he blesses that responsibility. There's wisdom and financial principles we can learn uh, from the the scriptures. We're going to look at a couple of them. The first one is hard work. Hard work. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, poverty and diligent hands bring wealth. Lazy hands make for poverty, and a diligent hand 
brings wealth. You're like, well, I could have told you that. That's kind of duh, right, Solomon? Like, that's kind of obvious, right? If you're lazy, you're going to be poor. If you work hard, you're going to have wealth. Um, I mean, it seems real obvious, but, but we want to get this principle home. Uh, I mean, the, the, the way to acquire wealth is through hard work. There's not a shortcut, right? And, and so when we see get-rich-quick schemes, right, or when we see, hey, man, you're, you're going to be rich, and it, and it seems too easy, and it seems too good to be true, very often... It is too good to be true because it's not true, right? And, it, and it's a deception. Uh, and you'll end up in a worse spot than when you started. The, the best way to make money is not get rich quick, but get rich slow through hard work, to, through putting in the work. And so some of us are financially not where we want to be uh, because the hard work's not there, right? Some of us are in a place where man, maybe we need to look at getting, uh, maybe getting a part-time job. Or maybe we've got the job and we need it to, to, be, to be adding extra hours. And, and so maybe as a student, that's impossible for you. But looking at the breaks, right? Looking at the summers and the winter breaks. Um, or, man, I'm in a special season now, but after I graduate, I want to be the kind of person uh, that, that works hard. Right, that, that shows up, that works hard. And we talked about this in D class this morning. If you're the kind of person that shows up to work and works hard, uh, some of you guys have work jobs with coworkers that are doing just the bare minimum not to get fired. Like I'm gonna do absolutely the bare minimum where the boss is like, man, I really wanna fire you, but I guess I can't technically. Um, if you're the kind of person that's going and working hard, boss is gonna see that, right? You're gonna be the one getting promotions. You're gonna be the one getting raises and bonuses, right? If you work hard, God's gonna bless you. God's gonna favor you. And the world's gonna recognize it too. But, but there's not, as a Christian, we don't need to chase after get rich quick schemes. We need to work hard. We need to work hard. We need to be the kind of person that, hey, when, when you trust me with something, I wanna be diligent, I'm gonna work hard. And that's the way that God wants to build wealth in your life is through hard work, long over time. And so that, man, when you're an old man, you're an old lady, right? That, that you've built up work, you built up wealth through your hard work uh, over the years. So not, not get rich quick, but get rich slow and through uh, hard work. What, what, are some, what are some ways, some get rich quick schemes you feel like people get suckered into this generation, your age? What would you guys say? Gambling? Gambling? Yeah. If I do, what's the, what's the, betting, the betting website? Uh, the sports bets, right? Hey, hey man, I'm going to put I'm going to put 100 down on LeBron's going to score this many points, and I'm going to get 10,000 back, right? But how many people they just blow that money? It's just gone. What else? What are some other get rich quick things that deceive people? Yeah, yeah, like the the TikTok, Instagram media influencers buy these stocks, do these investments. They don't know what they're talking about. They just watched a video 10 seconds before they filmed that one, right? But they're just hoping you get to invest in them. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff. If it seems too good to be true, if there's something like, I don't know, that seems kind of too easy. Yeah, yeah listen to that voice. It probably is. But, but if, you, if you work hard, if you're diligent, work hard, that, that's what God, God blesses. That, that's how you're going to uh, bring, bring wealth it is, is through hard work. There, there's, there's not shortcuts. Uh, and so, again, I, I know, man, some of you guys are in a spot right now where you're like, man, I, I am I am working a job. And there's not any room to add any more hours. Man, man I get that. And I, and I want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. Uh, and we want to trust that God's going to provide uh, and make a way. This is more a warning to the lazy person, right? The person who has plenty of time to work, they're just not, right? They're just sitting at home and they're just, hey, man, I'm... You know, I had, I had 20 hours to spend on, on Fortnite, so I don't have time to get a part-time job, right? Or, or I spend all this time on, you know, my, my social media, so, so I don't have time to, to work. It's more, this is a warning to the lazy. Hey, there's not a, get, a way to get, get rich that doesn't involve us working hard, right? That, that's the system God designed. God invented work. Do you guys know Adam uh, got a job before he got a wife, right? God gave him work to do in the garden before he got a significant other, right? God invented work. It's for our good. It gives our lives purpose and meaning. And that's the way to wealth is through working hard. Now do a job you enjoy doing. And that's why you're in college, right? To, to work at a job that you like, that you enjoy. But when you get into that career, you can get in that field, work hard for sure. What's up? So what do you, what do you have to say about working jobs to pay? Like I, I, like I just want to be honest, right? So I work, I'm 20 years old. I don't work in the but I would, if I was in college, I would graduate from the time. Sure. And uh, one thing I struggle with is getting those in yeah. Sure. Yeah, sometimes you do just have to pay the bills. Sometimes I just got to do this work. This is hopefully not my forever career, but it's what I need to do right now. I mean, I've worked some lousy jobs. Like later I can tell you about them. I've worked some just awful, awful jobs. I've worked at call centers and been cussed out. I've worked for mold removal construction guys where I crawled in the crawl space under, under houses 
on my, on my belly in the mud with spiders crawling on me. I've done, I've done terrible jobs. My first job in college, man, I was a janitor, mopping the floors, wiping down the floors. Like, I, don't be above certain jobs, but that's not my forever career. That's not what I want to do forever. But, but, but be hardworking in that season. God, God will see that. Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, we, 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 we can pray, hey, God, would you take me to something that I can enjoy doing and not dread? Um, and then the other, other real Christian principle on that, too, is whatever you're doing, do it as unto the Lord, right? Like, God, I hate flipping these burgers. I would rather do anything else, but I'm doing it unto you, Jesus. I'm doing it unto you. It, it's your praise. It's your worship to God. Someone else sees that and it honors the Lord because you're doing it unto him. Okay, so that's hard work. The next one is the Bible has a lot to say about debt. What would you guess the Bible says about debt? We'll look at one verse. Verse Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Your Bible is anti-debt. It does not want you to be a slave to anybody. And Jesus wants you to be free, right? But debt of any form is a slavery. It's bondage. Um, and I know man, navigating life in the United States, like being completely debt-free sometimes feels impossible, right? Maybe I need to take out a student loan uh, to, to go to college. Man, I want a house someday. It is almost impossible in the United States to pay cash for a house. Almost everyone has some kind of Mortgage loan, right, to help pay for that. Um, but where at all possible, avoid debt. And avoid putting a bunch of stuff on a credit card that you want but cannot afford, right? Clothes and, and, and flashy stuff and entertainment center. Oh, I'm just going to put that on the credit card. I'm just going to pay for that later. That's where it gets foolish. Right? That's where it gets foolish. Because as you go into debt for that thing and you put $1,000 on that credit card, uh, you, you pay for it man, with, with interest and fees over, over 5, 10 years. You end up paying for that thing Five, ten times over what you would have paid for it if you just would have saved up and bought cash, right? And so you guys, man, probably understand the principle because you've seen it in your own family's life where family members are just up to their eyeballs in debt and it feels like slavery, right? The collectors are calling and they, they can't do stuff. They can't make, make life decisions because their credit is wrecked because they're in debt and, and they can't, can't pay their bills. And because of interest, it just rolls up and rolls up and snowballs on them, right? God doesn't have that for you. And I get, I know, I know maybe you have to take out loan maybe to, to, to be in college. Uh, there, there are things, there are times to, to, to borrow and to do that wisely. But when at all possible, don't go into debt. Don't go into debt. Figure out another way. Figure out a way to work hard, save up. Figure out a way, maybe I don't actually need this new, new t-shirt today. Maybe I don't need this new game today. If I can't afford it, if I can't pay cash, if I can't pay um, a check card for it today, I need to save up uh, rather than just putting it on a loan, putting it on a credit card, uh, because the borrower is a slave to the lender, right? And, and the interest builds up and works against you, and you end up paying the credit card company, again, five, ten times what the thing's worth, and it's foolish, right? And God wants us to be wise about that. So when at all possible, avoid debt. And this next one is about budgeting and planning. Proverbs 13, verse 16, wise people think before they act. The fools don't. And they even brag about their foolishness. Some of you guys know people that just brag about how foolish they are. Oh, I'm so foolish. Um, that's nothing to brag about. Proverbs 21, 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So the writer of Proverbs here says that wise people are going to think before they act. Right? I'm going to think about uh, what am I going to do with this money? I'm going to make a budget, right? That's a, the scary B word. I'm going to make a budget. Some of you guys don't know, we've never made a budget before, but it would be really, really helpful if you did. Man, a budget is simply a plan for your money, saying, hey, these are all the expenses I have for this month. These are all the things that are going to cost me money, right? My housing, my, my utilities, maybe my phone, my gas, my insurance, my food. I know I'm going to have to pay all these things. Let me go ahead and write that out and make a plan uh, so I don't get to the end of the month and there's still bills, but I'm out of money. I'm like, how in the world did I get here, right? Um, so I think it's wise for us to make a budget, make a plan with our money, and God's going to reward that. God's going to bless that kind of responsibility. Uh, if you need help making a budget, and I, I'd love to help you with that, right? Um, I'd love to help you sit down and, and kind of walk you through writing a simple budget. Jack and I just use an Excel spreadsheet where we put how much money we got. Uh, and then all the expenses we have, right, from like biggest to largest, we put, put like our, our tithe, our giving, uh, uh, saving retirement stuff, and then our biggest bill to our smallest bill in order there on the Excel spreadsheet. And we look at it and we scratch our heads and we frown, um, but we figure it out, right? And, and we write it down and things are way more chaotic when you don't make a plan, right? Um, and more miserable when you don't. So uh, if you want help making a budget, man, st staff would probably love to sit down and help you with that. I I'd be glad to help you sit down with that. And make a plan for your money uh, so that you can be more wise with it and more wise with how you uh, spend and invest. A big part of that is spending less than you make. 
Right? A lot of us get in trouble because we spend more than we make. And, and until we budget, we don't really see that we're doing that, right? But, but if we could see on paper, hey, I'm spending this much, right? but I'm only making this much, then something's got to change. Either I need to make more, so I need to work some more, I need to make more, or I need to spend less. But something's got to give because if I keep spending more than I make, I'm going to keep, keep being upside down. I'm going to keep being uh, in debt. So God wants us to be wise about these things. He wants us to save wisely. Um, if we spend less than we make, we're going to have some left over, right? You can save for the future, right? You can save uh, so when an emergency happens, you don't, don't freak out and it's not hopeless. It's not as desperate as it would be because well, I've got savings I can lean on because I've been spending less than I make, right? You save enough, you can start investing that, right? And you can buy stocks the right way. You can invest in mutual funds and stocks and make good investments. And so now instead of the interest working against you, like when you have a big credit card or loan, now the interest is working for you, right? So you invest, you put money in a retirement account, put money in a good positive investment, and over the years that interest is working for you, so when you retire someday, and you're 60, 65, 70 years old, you kick it, the money you've saved over a lifetime is, is going to be what you're going to live on, right? But if every single month you're spending more than you make, and you don't save any, and you're going to get to retirement age, there's not going to be anything there, right? So God wants us to be wise about these things. Uh, to live on a budget, to spend less than we make, and live in a place of financial wisdom. Uh, we need self-control for that, right? Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. God, God, we need your Holy Spirit. Give us self-control because, man, I see the sale and self-control goes out the window, right? I see the thing I want online, or I see the new Nikes drop, and self-control is gone. Holy Spirit, I need help. I need the fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control, full in my life. God, help me to be disciplined about my money. Um, and maybe it, need, it means you need to like disconnect the, the, the Apple Pay or the, the online wallet so it's, it's harder for you to, to spend online. Uh, maybe you need to, to change some things around, put some discipline in your life, put some accountability in your life, have someone checking in on you. Hey, how are you doing with your spending? If it is out of control, uh, and encourage one another that way. So that's the first one. Uh, God blesses responsibility. The second one is this. God blesses obedience. You know, sometimes our financial problems have a spiritual root. You know, I said your checking account spiritual. Sometimes our financial problems have a spiritual root. We're in sin or disobedience, uh, and those things are affecting our financial well-being, right? God blesses obedience. He wants us to be obedient. And where there is areas of disobedience in our life, we may be bringing a financial curse on ourselves. Maybe things keep going bad week after week, month after month, and it's because there's this glaring area of disobedience that God wants to bring in submission to Him and obey Him on. Um, I'm going to read some verses. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is after, after Moses has given, uh, given the law to the people of Israel. There is a series of blessings and cursings uh, that, that follow that. You guys may be familiar as we read through this. You may have heard it before. Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to read the first few verses here. It says, If you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. How many got crops? But whatever it is for you. Okay, all right. Come on, Julie. Pearson's not here tonight, right? Like all this agricultural stuff. I'm like, man, this man like has, has herds and stuff like that. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be bad. So what's a breadboard? I don't know. It's going to be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, it's going to be blessed. That's good, right? God blesses obedience. Um, now, the inverse is also true, right? Right after this, he says, now, if you don't obey all these commands, then all these same things he said is going to be blessed. He said, now it's going to be cursed. Cursed are these things if you don't obey. Um, so there, we, we like this passage, right? Man, you may quote this in church, right? This is, this is good Bible, right? He's talking about all this stuff, all the ways God wants to bless me. That's good Bible, man. I like that verse. Oh, God's going to bless my field. He's going to bless my bank account. He's going to bless my family, my kids, uh, my fields, my crops. My breadboard's going to be just perfectly exactly how it should be. Um, we like that, but there is a very key word at the very beginning of that. It's a key two-letter word. What does it say? If. It's not just a blanket promise. Right? And when we use it like a blanket promise, we're using it out of context. And something that really grieves my heart is when people use the Bible out of context. And they twist, twist scripture out of context. And we are really bad about it on the financial blessing Bible verses, right? We're really bad about twisting the financial blessing Bible verses and ignoring the if part. Yeah, God just wants to bless you like crazy. 
if you obey, then he will, right? It's a promise if you obey. So we need to look, take a hard look at our lives. Where are we not obeying the Lord? Where are we not obeying the Lord and still expecting him to bless us like crazy, but we're not obeying him in the key things that matter. Obedience is key. When it comes to financial blessing, he's particularly concerned with our obedience in finances, right? In the area of, you know, we want blessed. That's the area that he wants obedience. So if we're not obeying him in our finances, we should not expect our finances to be blessed. How do we obey God with our finances? He's particularly concerned, man, with this area of our own generosity, uh, with tithes and offerings and our willingness to give uh, to him and to the work of the ministry. Right. So what is tithing? I'm going to I'm not going to assume like you guys grew up hearing about tithing. What is tithing? If you've never heard of this concept, if you've heard about it, if you're not entirely sure like what tithing is. That's OK. You're in a safe place, safe place to learn. Tithing, a tithe just means a tenth. It means one tenth, 10 percent. That's a tithe. So people talk about paying, paying their tithes. That's 10 percent of whatever they make. Uh, they're, they're giving that to the Lord, right? And so when we look at the Bible, we see tithing occur early in the Old Testament, even before the law, uh, people giving to God a tithe, a tenth of their wealth, giving it to the Lord, giving it to the priest. Of course, it comes uh, more official and codified in the law where the Israelites are commanded to give a tenth of everything that they have. Uh, the Levites, one of the tribes of Israel that served as priests, that they ministered before the Lord. These were the, the ancient Pastors, right, that, that worked in the tabernacle and later worked in the temple, uh, that they would live off these tithes, right? So the tithes, the 10% that the people would give, would pay for the work of the ministry. And fast forward, you know, 3,000 years, and it's similarly the same way, right? What, what pays for the church, what pays for pastor, what pays for the good work that the, the church does in the community and outreaches and feeding programs, all that kind of stuff. Your tithe, right? That, that, that's where that comes from, right? So, so God uses the tithe, the tenth, uh, to fund the work of the ministry and his purposes in the world. It's not because the pastor's trying to get rich. It's not because the church is greedy. Right? This is something God commands, and it's how God intends to fund his work in the earth. Right? God has a plan to reach the whole world. Right? You know, God, God has a plan to see the whole world uh, hear the gospel, come to Jesus, come into relationship with him. Uh, but God's not foolish. Right? He's not going to make a global worldwide plan and not have a plan to fund it. Right? How are we going to pay for that, God? Right? Well, this is how we're going to pay for it. My people are going to pay a tenth. A tenth of what they make, they're going to put towards the work of the ministry. Right? And that's how God finances uh, the advancing of his kingdom is through, uh, through the tithe. And so, so the tithe, uh, we say the tithe belongs to God. Now, like I said, your whole life belongs to God. Right? The whole bank account belongs to God. Not just the 10%, the 100% belongs to God. But he asks, as an act of obedience, that we surrender the tenth. That we say, God, I trust you, and I'm going to demonstrate that trust by giving you 10% of all I make and trust that you're going to take care of me, that I'm going to live better on that 90% that's left than I ever would on the 100% that's under a curse because I'm not being obedient. You guys following me? And so it's an act of trust. And God, I trust that even though it may seem better that this 10% stays in my account, I'm going to trust that you're going to care for me when I'm obedient and give towards you and, and, and surrender that tithe to you. Where do your tithes go? Where do your tithes go? Your tithes go to your local church. Right? Your tithes don't come here to Kyle. We take up an offering in Kyle, but it is just that. It's an offering. Right? Your tithes don't go here to Kyle. Your tithes don't go to a charity organization uh, that, that's feeding hungry kids, even though that's good. But that's an offering. That's not your tithe. Right? Tithe doesn't go to grandma or to any other good you know, charitable type, type giving. Uh, there is a place for that kind of charitable giving in alms. And we do want to care for the poor. And it is for us good for us to give and be generous. That your tithe belongs to your local church, right? So wherever you go on the weekends, wherever you're at Sunday morning, um, and that, that's where your tithe goes. You say, man, I'm not really attending church right now. Well, let, let's work on that first, right? You go find somewhere to plug in on the weekends. There's a ton of people here that would say, hey, come church with me. You know, come, come with me to wherever they go, right? I'm sure they, they, they'd be glad to bring you there. Uh, but that's where your tithe goes. Your tithe goes to the local church. Um, again, I said we take, take up an offering here in Kyle for once a month that helps fund some of the different things we do. But it is just that. It's for your offering. It's for over and above your tithe, over and above that 10%. Same as when you give, give to charity, uh, give to missions, give to these different things. And we should give and we should give generously. Uh, but that's not your tithe. You guys see the difference? Enough about that. So we give our tithes and we give our tithes first is the best way to do it. Right? That should be our first bill we pay. pay. You get your paycheck, and the very first bill you pay, before 
the collection agency, before the mortgage, before kids' daycare, whatever else, right? The first bill you pay is your tithe. And so go write, write a check to the church or give online or however you want to do it. Get the cash out of the ATM. I don't know. Uh, but we pay our tithes first. Look at this verse here. This is Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It says, honor the Lord with your second fruits, third fruits, fourth fruits, your first fruits, right? Give to God first, right? That, again, that's how you demonstrate, God, your Lord, over my whole life, including my finances, I'm going to give you my first fruits, right? That's going to be the first thing I do. I get my paycheck. First thing I do is give to God. And he promises that when you do that, that other 90% is going to be blessed. That other 90% is going to stretch way farther than the 100% would have if you just kept it all to yourself. And so you may look at your finances and you're like, man, I don't really know. There's not a 10% to give. Well, then I encourage you to work up to it, right? Um, and Malachi is, is the, the famous verse of, will a man rob God? Well, how do you rob me? Through your tithes and offerings. God says, test me in this. Try out tithing, right? And maybe it's something you've got to work up to, right? So maybe this week your challenge is give 1%, right? You can give 1%, and then maybe next week I'm going to up it to 2%. And I'm going to work up to a tithe, right? But as I test God in this, as I honor God with my wealth, you're going to see him blessing you, right? Uh, and, then, and then you're going to start tithing for a while, and you're like, man, I don't know how I ever did to do this, right? Because God's going to so bless you when you're tithing. Like, man, God, I can't not tithe because I see how you bless me when I tithe. And he may get you to the place where you can give even more than that, 15%, 20%, because God's taking care of you. You can be generous and help other people out of that excess. So that's my encouragement, is if you don't tithe right now, to start. And if 10% is scary, intimidating, then start working up to it. Do 1% this week, 2% next week, and work your way up to 10%. Uh, and God is going to bless that. God's going to reward that uh, for sure. God says we can test him. He promises that we'll be more blessed on that 90% than we ever could on 100. Um, and I just want to give personal testimony. God has taken care of Jackie and I, our family, again and again and again uh, for, for years. We've been married coming up on 18 years, uh, if you can believe it. Our marriage is almost a legal adult. Yeah, so we got married in 2005, and, um, and ever since we've been married, we, we've tied every paycheck. We've tithed on, um, I don't say that to brag, I say that to give God the glory because he's shown himself faithful. Uh, there's, been, there's been months where it's been tight, but God always takes care of us. Our kids always eat, right? we can always pay the rent, always pay the mortgage, uh, we always have what we need. Um, God, God's faithful. And there's times that he has provided for us so dramatically where we've looked at our budget and been like, okay, God, that, those numbers don't add up, right? There's a negative at the end. Um, and then something will happen in the course of that month. God shows up in a dramatic way and he comes through time after time and again. And I want to encourage you guys, build your faith. Uh, when we surrender our finances to God, he will bless you. He will take care of you. Again, it's not a promise that you're going to have a private jet you can fly to campus in. Uh, but, but he will make sure that your needs are, are met. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's faithful to do that. Um, some, some people wonder about, well, tithing, and is that kind of like an Old Testament thing or an Old Covenant thing? Um, and the, the best way I can think of it uh, is this, is that for a Christian, tithing should be the floor, the, the, the bottom. We should at least give a tithe. And then maybe God would so prompt us and he'd so bless us with the ability to give even above that, to be generous even above that. But we should at least be doing a tithe. Yes, the New Testament command for generosity overrides the tithe, but generosity should not be us giving less than a tithe, right? We should be at least doing that. Uh, and, and that's how I see him, and that's how I encourage people. Um, and it's still the way that God funds his work on the earth. It's still how God pays for the kingdom to advance, uh, and we need to be obedient in that. So we say God blesses Obedience, uh, God blesses responsibility. The last one is this, God blesses generosity. God blesses us when we're generous. He wants us to be generous with what we have. He wants us to give to others and give cheerfully and give extravagantly. God wants you to be a generous giver. Some of you guys, generosity comes easy to, right? That, that you're just quick, man. If, if someone's in need, you're quick to share what you have. Uh, let me buy you lunch. Let me take care of you. I got you. Let, let me cover it. Uh, and some of us, generosity doesn't come as naturally. We need God's help. God, help me to be more generous. God wants us to be generous. God wants us to be the kind of person that gives uh, and gives extravagantly. Why? Why does God want us to be generous? Because God's a giver. And he wants us to be like him, right? Uh, 
God wants your heart. And he wants you to be like him. And the entire, the entire journey of being a Christian is becoming more like God and becoming more like Jesus. Well, Jesus was a giver. Right? He gave his life for you, right? God was a giver. God gave his one and only son. God, God provides all of our needs, gives us everything in this earth to enjoy. God is a giver, so he wants us to be generous so we become more like him, right? So when you're being thinking about uh, giving and thinking about generosity, think about, man, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like God. God's generous, so I want to be generous. God, give me that same heart that's in you to be generous and to bless people and to help people. That's how I want to be. God is a giver. God's a giver. God gave his own son for us. Um, we're celebrating that, right, this weekend. This weekend is, is Good Friday uh, and, and Easter and then celebrating all that God did for us by sending his son Jesus. That God loved you so much that he saw you in your desperate situation. And I don't just mean financially desperate, spiritually desperate. Separated from him by our sin in times that we're prideful, selfish, do things that hurt ourselves, hurt other people, offend God. And these things separated us. From a closeness with God, but God loved you too much to leave you that way, right? So he sent, he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to do for you what you can never do for yourself, right? He lived a perfect life, and he was arrested, and then he died on the cross. Well, remember that this Friday on Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross for us. And as he's hung there on the cross, he hung in our place, right? He took the punishment on him that we deserve for everything we've ever done wrong, so that instead God extended us grace and mercy and forgiveness when we trust in Jesus, when we trust in what he did on the cross to save us. And the good news is, after Jesus died on the cross, he didn't stay dead. Now, if he did, we'd probably not be here tonight, right? Now, three days later, he rose from the dead just as he promised. He appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving he was who he claimed to be, the Son of God, right? So when he says, you can put your trust in me and have all your sins forgiven, you can trust that. You can believe that. When he says, when you put your trust in me, you'll have eternal life. You can believe that because he rose from the dead, right? Jesus ascended into heaven and he promised one day he's coming back for us. In the meantime, and we live this life trusting in Jesus, following in Jesus, Jesus who is a giver. And we want to be a giver. We want to be generous like Jesus is. Like we said earlier uh, you know, in, in, uh, in, in Matthew 6, we talked about where our treasure is. Our heart will be also, if we're willing to give away of our treasure, if we're generous with our treasure, that shows that our heart is starting to look more like God's heart. Um, also in Matthew 6, uh, Jesus says, when you give to those in need, your father sees what is done in secret, and he's going to reward you for that, right? Sees what is done in secret. So when I'm giving and I'm being generous, I don't need to brag about it. Hey, look how much money I'm giving. I'm putting this in an offering plate. Look how much. It's a lot. There's a lot of zeros after it. Hey, look, I'm helping this homeless guy. Everybody see Right? So, no, he says what your father sees was done in secret. So when we give, we do it secretly, not to get attention, but to honor the Lord and to, and to help people because we love people because God loves people. Um, but we help people and we're generous. And, and Jesus says when we, when we help, when we give, our father sees that and he rewards us. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. This will be the last two verses we look at. Um, remembering their generosity towards him. And this is one of those uh, good Bible verses that we really like, especially when we're feeling financially desperate. And I want you guys to understand the context. So, so Paul is a missionary, right? He's traveling from country to country, city to city, proclaiming the gospel, telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, people are following Jesus. He's establishing churches. He's going to the next city. And he's relying on the generosity of the people that are paying for him to do these things. Paul had a part-time job. He made tents, but he was also dependent on the, uh, the generosity of, of, of the people that, that gave. And he would also take up offerings for other churches. So he'd be there preaching uh, in Ephesus or Corinth there in Greece, and he'd take up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. Hey, there's a famine going on in Jerusalem. I don't know if y'all heard about this, but the Christians there are suffering. Can we take up an offering for them? Not so he could get rich, but for, for other people's benefits, right? And see, he, he was so excited about the church here in Philippi because they were so generous. He took up this offering, and they gave like crazy, and he's thrilled. He's thrilled enough that he's writing a letter that's now in your Bible 2,000 years later that you can read. He's thrilled about their generosity. He's, he's really praising them for their generosity. And it's after bragging about this generosity that he writes this promise that we as Christians like to quote over ourselves. Philippians 4, 19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's good Bible. We like that verse. God's going to supply all my needs, 
All my needs, according to His glory, in Christ Jesus. God, you got me. We like that verse. But the context is important. He's writing this to a bunch of Christians that are crazy generous. He's saying God sees that crazy generosity, and He's going to be crazy generous to you right back. Right? It's in response to that generosity. God blesses generosity. One last Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, talking about generosity. Paul writes this, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And don't, don't give generously because you feel pressure, because you feel like, oh, I got, I got all this social pressure. They're going to be mad at me if I don't give. And don't, don't give that way. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Give because you decided to. And be cheerful. Be happy about it. Be excited. I get to give. I get to bless somebody. I get to help somebody. Be cheerful about it. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. There it is again. All you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to hoard in a big tower like Scrooge McDuck on DuckTales. No, you'll have plenty left over to share with others. God blesses you so you can be a blessing, right? God, God doesn't just bless you so you can get rich. God blesses you so you can help others, to help those that are struggling, right? To help those that are poor, to help those that are in a bad situation. Our extra is not for us to hoard so we can be in the, the, the biggest house with the nicest car and the fanciest private jet you know, flying all over the world. The extra is so that we can help others. And God wants to shape our heart and make us generous like He is generous. Uh, and He promises to bless that. So these promises... As Christians, we love to quote uh, over each other about finances and God providing is directly tied to our obedience and it's tied to generosity. Again, God wants us to be generous, not because he needs our money. God doesn't need our money. God owns the whole universe. Like he's got literally everything at his disposal. He does not need your money like any of it. He wants you to give so that our hearts will be more like him because he's a giver. He wants us to become more like Jesus. He wants us to become generous because he's generous. He wants to see selfishness and pride decrease in us. And generosity does that. It makes us humble. It makes us more like Jesus. We become others-minded instead of selfish and focused on ourselves. God wants that heart change, that character change uh, in us. He does not need your money. But what giving does to your heart is powerful, and he wants that for you. So our willingness to give reveals where our heart uh, is at, where our treasure is. There our heart is also. And so if you want to see what really matters to someone, and, and look at how they spend their money. And look at how you spend your own money. Look at your bank statements. Say, man, I don't know how to do that. But you can go online. You can probably see on, on your bank's website. You can probably go to the bank and say, would you give me a printout? Uh, man, look, look at your bank statements and, and take an honest look and say, well, what am I spending money on? And am I spending it wisely? Am I being irresponsible with it? Am I tithing? Am I giving to God's kingdom and his work in this world? Am I giving to the church? Uh, am I generous? Am I using this wealth I have to bless other people, help other people? When God is Lord over our wallets, over our finances, it shows that he's truly in charge of our life. I want to challenge you guys with these three things as we wrap up here. Uh, these things, three things. First of all, to be obedient with your finances and tithe. If you're not tithing now, um, and I encourage you to start doing that even this week, right? And maybe you work up to it. Maybe you pick over, over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to work up to it. Next whatever, uh, and, and, and work up to tithing. And, and if you don't have a local church, plug into one and start giving uh, and see if God doesn't bless you with that. He promises he will. I also want to challenge you to start budgeting and saving this month, right? right up, we're, we're still pretty early in April. Write a budget for April uh, and spend less than you make and start saving for the future. And then do the same thing in May and the same thing in June and start saving and being responsible with your money. Baby steps. Start small. Write the budget. I'm here to help if you need it. Um, but start being responsible with our money um, and start saving and surrender the lordship of our finances to God. Amen. Amen. So God blesses responsibility. God blesses obedience. God blesses generosity. Uh, again, your Bible is chock full of verses about finances, wisdom you can apply uh, to your life. I know this is just, just a taste, just kind of dipping, dipping our toe in the deep end of the pool. Man, there's a lot more we can say, but for the sake of time, I want to leave it at that, leave you with those challenges. Um, and I just want to really challenge us to submit our finances to God and trust them, uh, trust Him with our money, with our finances. Trust is going to take care of us. Amen. Can we stand up? We're going to just respond to this uh, in prayer. If you, uh, you know, I want to I pray, pray for all of us that we'd be challenged in this way. But I also want to pray for people 
that may, may have specific uh, needs in this season. Um, say, hey man, like, uh, I know I need to be more responsible, I need to do these things, but I'm in a real place of financial desperation, and I'd appreciate prayer for that. I, I need God to show up and pay this bill. I need God to show up in this way. I want to pray for you, right? The staff wants to pray for you. Jackie, can we have a little bit of music uh, for that? No? Or can we have, <laughs> can we have some timber, timber music for that? Either way, so Jackie can pray for people. Um, the, the staff will be up here and you're like, man, I, I need prayer or I need prayer for God to help me to put some of these practices in my life. I know I need to start doing these things, but I appreciate prayer for that. Staff's going to be down here to pray uh, these next few moments. Or maybe unrelated to finances, God is, is, is prompting you for an area of obedience. Say, man, I'm not obeying God in this area over here, and I know I need to. Um, and there, there, there's a sin struggle I need to repent of. Uh, there's something I need freedom of. I want to confess. I want to pray with somebody. Or maybe it's just, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. Right? That if I'm being honest, Jesus is not Lord of my life. I've not put my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me. But I want to do it tonight. I want to have a relationship with God tonight. We'd love to pray with you for that as well. Amen. So, so pray, pray, pray where you're at. But if you'd like, like special prayer, like to pray with one of us, the staff can be up here these next few minutes. Let's take time to bring this to the Lord, to seek God with this uh, and bring ourselves into a place of obedience and where our finances really honor the Lord. Amen. Father, we love you. God, you're good. We thank you so much for all the ways that you provide for us, God. God, thank you for meeting our needs. Um, God, thank you just that, that, that by virtue of, of where we live, we know that we're blessed. God, we know that we're blessed. We know, know that you take care of us. God, we look at the rest of the world and, and some of the things some other folks are going through in other countries. And we know, God, that man, if we've got clean water to drink, food to eat, a bed to sleep in, God, a, a uh, a roof over our head, God, God, we know that, that relative to so much of the world, we are crazy blessed. Man, we don't have enough to buy every single thing we want, God, but we thank you for providing us what we need. And God, the finances we do have, the income we do have, we want to bring in submission to you. We want to bring be obedient to you, God. We want to be responsible with it. We want to be obedient with it. And God, we want to be generous with it. We want to use it to help other people, to bless other people. We want our hearts be shaped and molded to be more like yours, God. Uh, God, would you work on our hearts? God, would you make us more like Jesus? And God, would you bless students and encourage them? God, where they're in a financial place that seems really hopeless, seems really desperate, God, I pray that this message would be hope-giving. God, that as they begin to implement these things, there is hope that you're going to see them out of it, you're going to bless, you're going to provide, you're going to make a way. We trust you for that. These next few minutes, God, we're going to seek after you. Um, God, I pray that you would encourage students. And just as we pray for students, we trust you to move and even work miracles, God, in their lives. In Jesus' name.